let's think about how we will express our collective joy and creativity a year or two or three years from now when we have the vaccine and the medical treatments. Uh, we need to be prepared to tell the stories of that journey, and opera is one of the most powerful ways to tell that story. Welcome to Arts Engines. I am your host, Aaron Dworkin, and today's guest is Mark Skorka, who serves as president and CEO of Opera America. Mark, welcome to Arts Engines. Aaron, thank you so much. I'm really delighted to be with you. Oh, it's so great that you're here. Uh, so, you know, I thought I would actually just start off. A lot of times people are interested, um, you know, with service organizations kind of um, hearing about what, how they view their role. Um, so, you know, kind of, if you will, sitting on top of all of opera in America, you know, kind of, uh, what's that view like? What do you view as your role uh, with the organization? Well, you know, I, it's a great question. I think it's a blended role because certainly we need to be responsive to our members and to the needs that they have. Um, you know, there aren't, dozens of opera companies in every city. It isn't easy to go out and talk to another big opera producer about the problems they've had today. The way other professionals, accountants, lawyers can in town have local resources. So they turn to Opera America to, to connect them. Uh, we are a convener either in person or by virtual means. We try to harness the collective intelligence to solve problems that are shared by everyone. Uh, we respond by creating or providing resources for our members. But there's also a leadership dimension. And I don't want to suggest for a second that we lead our members um, in ways they don't want to go. But we do try to be aware of what important trends are, what important sensibilities are that we have to be attuned to, and to bring our members along into thinking about things that they might not or, or ordinarily think about. Yeah, so you know, this is a really interesting kind of leadership question. I'm wondering if we could kind of delve into that a little more. Certainly for service org heads such as yourself, but also anyone who feels like they have a constituency that they're responsible for and to, but then they also want to lead. How would you recommend that people balance the follow kind of, I need to serve my constituents, mm -hmm. I need to hear what they want and then really react to that and provide that versus here are things that I feel they need to know and I need to lead them where they may not otherwise be. How, how do you encourage or how would you suggest a number of leaders who might feel that, that difficulty, that, that competition of priorities? Well, you know, I, I harmonize it in my mind this way, and it is perhaps more implicit than explicit, but while our members are busy producing opera and delivering community programs and education programs in schools, they do delegate to us some responsibility to monitor the bigger scenario, to, to look at cultural trends in the United States, to see what other art forms are doing, to respond to community needs and to engage people, new people to the field. So I do believe that it is part of our service responsibility to be thinking about some of the bigger picture issues on behalf of our members. They don't have time to read all the research reports. They don't have time to follow 
all of the academic literature that is coming out about the arts or economic impact, they implicitly delegate that to us. And then we have a responsibility in a service modality to share back what we have learned and to engage them in discussion about it and to allow that discussion to lead us all forward. Awesome. So for those of our viewers who kind of might not know, right, a lot of times people think opera and they're like, the, you know, there's the Met. Uh, and or here's the big opera company in my big city or a big city that's near me. Oh, how would you kind of describe the tapestry of opera in America today? Sure. I, I like to say that opera is the first multimedia art form to be invented in 1597 in Italy. Uh, it is an art form that combines words and music and images elements of theater and dance. So it is a multimedia art form and it's a story-based multimedia art form, which is why I think it is so adaptable to today's world to tell stories that resonate with the world we live in. It is important though to realize that, yes, there are some big opera companies in this country and in some communities, they may be among the largest arts organizations uh, that there are. But uh, fully half of our membership are companies with budgets of under a million dollars in our largest membership category are companies with budgets of under $500,000 a year. You know, it used to be the case that it was hard to start an opera company because you had to find a theater that had a pit and fly space and then enough resources to pay chorus and orchestra and stagehands. But today the definition of opera has been blown wide open in a very exciting way so that opera might be performed in a, a church, a loft, a warehouse, um, sometimes out in parks in, with site-specific performances. Uh, that variety of production modalities plus easy access to audiences and donors online through crowdsource fundraising and online marketing. We see today a, a whole wave of what we call indie opera companies. In New York City, the New York Opera Alliance has over 50 of them. There are more than a dozen in the Boston area and dozens in other cities around the country. Artists who want to express themselves through opera, graduating from conservatories and young artist training programs, using the internet, using their entrepreneurial skills. There's a wave of specialty opera companies that are enriching the field tremendously. Awesome. So, and does this kind of lead your sense to say, here's the trajectory of the field? Um, you know, uh, if you, you know, kind of put those, you know, those future goggles on and looked, you know, 10 or maybe even 20 years in the future, what, what do you think opera looks like in America? Is there a predominance of what format it's taking? No, I think the wonderful thing is that there's no predominance so that uh, we will see grand opera being performed in big theaters, and we will see site-specific opera being performed in a whole variety of venues. I think we are also at the verge of seeing a 21st century opera that I, for now, I'm going to call digital opera, where opera is being created for digital platform, not where the digital platform is being used to transmit performances from the stage, but rather where work itself is being created for the digital footprint. There are people today creating episodic opera in virtual reality, works being created for this very screen we're talking to another on, 
Um, and I, so, so I see not a, 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 a direction for opera into the 21st century, but I see many directions for this very complicated art form that is translatable into many different formats and venues. Awesome. So we may see an opera take place within Fortnite. On, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. So to kind of uh, translate that a little bit into kind of the, the fundraising piece. So, uh, of course, you know, we had, uh, you know, the Met, I think, for the first time doing their, their gala digitally on, online. Um, mm -hmm. But to kind of speak to, I'm curious, uh, two facets of that piece. Do you see that kind of any shifts in terms of a resource engagement either because of the pandemic or just the natural trajectory of the field um, and also how do you feel the argument is best made for opera right there's always the argument of how do we make the case for the arts with all mm -hmm. of the challenging of you know basic human needs or you know uh, food and shelter things like that but even within the arts you, you sometimes hear people say oh well opera they view it as just you know this very big expensive thing how do you feel that fundraising advocacy piece specifically for opera can best be made and do you think that the forum for it is shifting mm -hmm. you know you you ask a complex question and Again, I, I do hearken back to the fact that opera is a multimedia art form and it's a story-based art form. And so many composers and librettists these days want to create opera. I think it's the larger-than-life canvas, the sense that the music raises the emotions of the drama to a level that words alone cannot reach, where the incredible intimacy of the unamplified voice where all of those connect to be a deeply moving art form that can tell stories today that resonate with the world around us. I think coming out of this incredible societal health crisis, there are gonna be so many stories to be told and opera is an incredible medium uh, through which to explore the human dimension of this crisis, especially the emotions of this crisis. Um, you know, the the ability to harness that, that beautifully trained primal scream about what's going on for all of us right now. Opera does that. So yes, there is an inherited repertoire of the 19th century, early 20th century that is grand and that mm, exemplifies the stereotype about opera. But there are so many more operas. We've seen hundreds and hundreds of new operas being performed in the last couple of decades that deal with lots of stories of today about sexual identity, about the impact of war, uh, about so many topics that are important to our understanding who we are as human beings. I see that continuing with new force after this crisis as we rediscover ourselves. Uh, you know, when we think of the Renaissance, we think of Florence. And Florence is the city where uh, opera was invented. And, and we just have to remember the Renaissance came after the plague. So let's think about how we will express our collective joy and creativity a year or two or three years from now when we have the vaccine and the medical treatments. Uh, we need to be prepared to tell the stories of that journey. And opera is one of the most powerful ways to tell that story. Wow. 
That's absolutely uh, profound and awesome. The uh, one of the things I always like to do during uh, my interviews is to ask kind of these three things. You know, if there were three things that you could ideally identify for those who may be seeking performance careers or administrative paths um, uh, or any real component within or surrounding opera. Are there kind of three things you think they should keep in mind or focus on or make sure they incorporate as they try and build that trajectory for themselves? Goodness, three things. I know. Um, I think one of the three words. Yeah. Three words. So one of, one of the, the most important things I try to share with young singers or young administrators alike is to make sure you have something to say. Why do you want to express yourself through th this art form, either as an administrator or as an artist? Um, you don't find a life in opera just to go through the motions of it. If you're looking for a job, there are easier jobs. Um, so if you're going to come into opera, I think it's important to recognize that it's not a job. It is, in a way, a way of life, because we all in the arts, as you know, Aaron, better than anyone, we do during the day what happens at night. We do during the week what happens on the weekend. Um, it's not a job, as other people understand jobs. True. So if you're going to make those sacrifices to allow opera to become a part of your professional life, I think it's important to know what it is you want to achieve. What's your vision for it? Where, what stories do you want to tell? How do you want to engage your community? Uh, how do you want to make opera belong to your community? And how do you want to make people feel they belong to opera? Um, don't, don't come into opera just to go through the motions. Come in because you actually have a point of view, a vision. You want to achieve something. Be clear about that. Awesome. That's fantastic. So uh, unfortunately, we're running short on time, uh, but wanted to kind of get a sense, you know, just as a leader and someone, you know, looking at an entirety of a field, yet being on lockdown like everyone else, there must be challenging times. Where do you find inspiration? Where do you find when things just seem, you know, too uh, challenging, complex, they might be overwhelming, but there is a source for you of inspiration. What is that for you? How do you bring that into practice? One of the reasons that I'm in the arts, that I'm in opera, is because from early on in my career, uh, the opera world made me feel I belonged, that I was in a community of people who loved a particular art form, who shared a passion, who, who, who shared unreasonable optimism, an unreasonable desire to work hard on behalf of something that was greater than ourselves. And even though these last six or seven weeks have been grueling with more video conferences and webinars that we can shake a stick at, um, every time I'm connected, I'm connected with like-minded people I've grown up with. I, I'm blessed to uh, be of a certain age and to have made my career in, the, in, in opera. So the people I see on video, the people I talk to on the telephone are part of my extended opera family. Uh, and, you know, finally, I don't do what I do because it's a job. Um, I, I don't put up with the hours uh, on this video screen because it's what I'm paid to do. I do it because I am, I'm helping my extended opera family and, and I want to make us all better and I want us all to heal and I want us all to see the other side of this crisis. Um, so it, it's doing it for the family. Awesome. 
Mark Skorka, you truly are one of the great arts engines that is powering human creativity in our world. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Aaron, uh, you are the same. It's a pleasure to talk to you and, and keep up the great work. Thank you.